Good morning. It is good to see everybody here this morning, and uh, thank you for coming out on this holiday weekend. Uh, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve is always a fun time. <clears throat> One of my goals is to stay awake till midnight, and I've learned a trick over the years, and it is now approaching midnight in New Zealand. <laughs> so Happy New Year! Hey, made it. Kids will be jealous. Uh, but anyway, it is, it's, uh, New Year's are, are a good time to be able to celebrate, look back, but also anticipate and look forward. Uh, and again, if you don't know me, I'm, I'm Dale. I'm one of the elders. Mark Strand, who is one of the other elders, as you heard in the, uh, in the prayer time, uh, was supposed to be speaking today. And I was looking forward to hearing what he had to share, but uh, he hurt his back, and so he's uh, not able to, to be doing that. But I hopefully will get a chance to hear from him sometime in the near, near future. But in the meantime, I have the privilege of being able to, to step in. Uh, New Year's is also a time, in addition to the celebrating and, and, and all of the things that go on there, uh, you know, it's a time to kind of take, take stock of our lives and make New Year's resolutions about the coming year, things that we want to have better, something that uh, we can do, look forward to, and make some commitments around that. And, you know, just like I said, uh, I found a way to celebrate New Year's Eve midnight by staying awake. Likewise, I have learned over the years how to make better New Year's resolutions. And first off, how many of you already have made a resolution for next year? What a committed group of people this morning. <laughs> the good news is, Fargo time, you now have 13 more hours uh, to do that. But one of the things that I've learned is you need to make resolutions that you think you can keep so you don't feel disillusioned. So my, I'm still working on my list, but my first one is to eat more chocolate. <laughs> and um, I'm pretty confident that I can accomplish that one. Uh, and then we will we'll see what goes on with the rest. But it is uh, a time, even if you don't set them, it often is a time to be able to look back, look ahead, look forward to the coming year, to kind of take a stock of your life, and especially... What are areas that you would like to make different or have different? Over the past months, <coughs> excuse me, we have been studying uh, from the book of Mark, and we've been walking through the series, The Mark of a Disciple, and following Jesus. What does that look like to be a disciple that follows Jesus? And we've been challenged by various ways uh, how that might be. And so as we began the new year, it might be appropriate for us to spend a little bit of time even thinking about for ourselves in that area. What is it about my relationship, my discipleship walk with Jesus that I would like to have be different next year? And perhaps uh, something different in the way I walk with him at home or different in how I'm a disciple of his at work or even as I play. But, you know, how can I have a more vibrant, deeper relationship with Jesus in 2024? 
And so that's part of the challenge that we are going to take this morning as we examine a little bit about uh, what it means to walk with God. And we're going to do that primarily by looking at a man by the name of Joshua and his relationship with God. And so uh, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps with you, you can open up to Joshua. We'll be looking at just a few key verses, not all of which will be on the screen. And uh, I will be, if you're not too familiar with the Bible, you know, the first books, the first five are, you know, starts with Genesis and then works their way through the Deuteronomy and then it becomes Joshua. So it's the fifth book from the front, if that helps you. But we began, I want to be able to set the stage a little bit for what's going on, particularly if you may not have uh, the background. Most of you probably know about Moses and, and the, what's known as the Exodus. And so what happened is, you know, the people had been in Egypt. Uh, they had become slaves in Egypt. They had been there for hundreds of years. God raised up Moses to be this great deliverer. And so Moses goes and, you know, stands up to Pharaoh, takes the people, delivers them, brings them out, and, you know, just tremendous. Along the way, uh, they also have an opportunity to hear from God through Moses uh, to receive the Ten Commandments and some of the other uh, restrictions, rules, and advantages of what they would have as God's chosen people. And, and so they have that, and what we know is the Ten Commandments, but it was much more than that. Unfortunately, uh, because of rebellion on their part, instead of immediately going into the Promised Land where God was going to take them, they spent the next 38 years or so uh, in the desert and uh, for a number of reasons. And Moses led them through all of that. And along the way, there was this guy named Joshua who served with Moses, but Moses was the leader. And, you know, what a powerful leader and just about everybody knows about Moses. Well, as we come to the end of Deuteronomy, the book that precedes this, we find that Moses in his old age has now died. One of the things that he did not do was lead the people into the promised land. They were now gathered at the Jordan River. So before them was the river. Beyond the river was the land that God had promised to give them. And it was now to be Joshua that would be the one that would lead the people. God had chosen him and brought him forward as that one. And, you know, that must have been a challenge for Joshua to be thinking about the responsibility of doing that and thinking about all the things that he saw Moses do or not do and what would, what, you know, would he be able to do this? And so as we stand at the edge of 2024, you know, it's not the river, but it's a calendar pad. And if we go across it into the next year, each of us have responsibilities and opportunities to walk with God, to be a disciple of Jesus, and to have that mark of discipleship that we've been talking about so let's take a look at some of the things that God gave Joshua and apply those to our lives, at least in principle, not necessarily exactly. The first part, <coughs> which isn't, uh, uh, isn't going to be on the screen, but in those first verses, what we find, it says, after the death of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, and so God in some way came and spoke to Joshua. And it's really helpful for us to see in those first verses is that while he tells him to get ready, he also tells him he's going to do the work. If you take a look at the verses, some of the things he says, he said, I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. The territory will expand to all this area. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. So God was telling him that God was going to do this. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. And God had made a promise that they would have the land, and they will. And so it's helpful for us to remember that as we begin a new year, God is still in control. God is still sovereign. And God is going to be working out his plan for 2024. That's encouraging, at least when we look at all the things that seem to be going on in the world, whether it's across the ocean or whether it's closer to home. In any event, as we take a look at all of those situations, we, it's good for us to remember that God is at work and he can do all things. He's all-powerful. And that's what he is telling Joshua. He says, I've got this. However, as we go on, we then see him transition to say, this is what I'm going to do, Joshua. Now let me talk about what you're going to do. And so picking up in verse 7, he says, uh, Be strong. Be very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it on day or night so that it may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so what we find in this next verses is God is saying he is going to bring the people in. He's going to give them the land. But Joshua, you need to be faithful and do what I'm telling you to do. And so it is with us as we look at a new year. God's sovereign. God's in control. But he has things that he has for us to do as we walk with him, as we witness in the various places. And so it's interesting that as he begins to give these instructions to Joshua, he doesn't say, by the way, here's the list of the military plans. Here's all the different ways to do that but rather he's going to focus on his relationship and his word with Joshua. The first thing that he says, however, is be strong and be courageous. This was not going to be for the timid. And Joshua needed to stand up and go forward and go in and fight the battles that God has given, even though God was going to give victory. Joshua was going to have to stand up and lead the people, even though they might be grumbling or whatever, and God's going to bring them and deal with them. But Joshua still needed to be the leader that God has called him to do. 
And so it is for us today that God calls us to be strong and courageous. You know, being a Christian, even today and in this part of the world, is not for the timid or the faint of heart. It's getting harder and harder. As you stand and you're a witness at work or at home or where you play, wherever, if you're going to stand as a disciple, increasingly it opens you up for ridicule or hardship even or whatever other type of opposition that may come. In other parts of the world, it even opens you even more so to hatred and, and death and harm. But at least all of the, the things that will happen. And so it's a good encouragement for us to remember that as we start, we need to do this with a conviction that we're going to be strong and we're going to be courageous and we're going to make that commitment today as we head into the new year. But he also goes on, and says, the most important thing, Joshua, for you to do is to keep my word. You are to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Not just obey it and do it. Don't compromise with it. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Don't even deviate from this. Remember, this is my word and this is something you can anchor yourself on. And Make sure that you commit to spend time dwelling on it, reflecting on it, so you don't forget it. He says, keep this book of the law always before your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do that. You know, it is important for us also to stay anchored in God's word. We increasingly live in a world that it's all relative, in a world that twists God's word even to the extent that it's used, that often wants us to substitute and look at our hope and confidence in other things in God's word. And this is a good reminder for us that at the core of our discipleship walk with Jesus needs to be time spent in God's word. And we need that regularly. We need to do that diligently, not just once a year and call it good or even once a week, just as he says to Joshua. I said, meditate on it every day, day and night, and reflect and to do that. And so as he then goes on and says, but remember, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. You know, there's going to be times for Joshua where obviously he's going to face some fearful things. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. There were going to be times when it would be easy to become discouraged because the results maybe weren't there or it was harder than what we thought it might be. But God was saying, don't become discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. No matter what it is, Joshua, that you're going to be facing, or no matter what it is that you're going to be going through, you need to remember that I, your God, am going to be right there with you. And so it's the same promise for us today. You know, when we make a commitment, as we've been studying in Mark, to become a, be a disciple of Jesus, and of course, first a believer and, and part of the family, but then to walk with him and to witness for them, there will be times when we will be challenged, that we will be challenged to be afraid. There will be times that we will be challenged to be discouraged. But we can remember that the same promise exists for us, 
that God will always be with us and be alongside us, no matter what good thing or hard thing that we're going through. We today, as we look back, have this tremendous privilege that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. So we have God's presence in us and with us at all times. We also have this community of fellowship of believers like we have today where we can come together and we can encourage each other and we can pray for each other. So often God works through the encouragement and the words of other fellow Christians. So he's called to be strong and he's called to be courageous. However, he's able to do that because he has the promises that come from God's word and that he has God's presence. You can be couraged. You can have strength. It's because you have God's promises and God's presence in your life as well. So as you and I began this new year of 2024, this is a good challenge for us to think about. What are verses in the Bible, promises of God, from God's word, that I can take and write down, I can reflect and meditate on, that apply to what it is that I know I'm going to be facing or as I go through them. And I spend some time and I say, I know this is what they're saying, but what does God say? And I open it up and I write it down and I reflect and to think about that. What is it as I begin 2024 that I can be doing to ensure that I have time daily to meditate on God's word and to study it and to spend time reflecting on it, whether that's in my personal quiet time uh, called cave time, or whether it's in a fellowship time with a Bible study that I'm in or a life group that I'm joining where we're studying the Bible, but how important it is to keep anchored and focused on God's word because we're going to see there's so many other things that are going to try to pull us away from that. But if we're to be strong and courageous, that's what anchors us. Now, there's going to be times as we enter this year and certainly have been as we look at the past where God's word's going to seem hard or it's going to seem difficult to understand or even difficult to apply. It seems contrary to what the culture has now taught us is common sense. And so when those times come, as I'm guessing they did for Joshua and they certainly will for you and me, that it's helpful to remember that God is the one that gave us his word, that God also loves us tremendously. You know, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And just over Christmas, we celebrated the fact that God sent his son to be born, to live, but then to die, that we might have life and that we might have forgiveness and he's demonstrated the depth of that love. He's demonstrated the depth of that love over and over and over for his people throughout Scripture. And I hope and trust that as you look back at your own life, that you find places and see places where God has demonstrated his love for you. And then we can hang on to that aspect of his character that even if I don't understand a particular Scripture challenge, I can remember it's coming from a basis of love. And therefore, God has given it to me because it's what's best. Best for me, best for my relationship with him. God's word is anchored in his love.
And we should never, ever forget that. You know, one of the things that I marvel at regularly, and I, I trust it, and perhaps you do, is the fact that we even have the Bible. You know, God went ahead to do this. God is God. God was, is there. God is, went about creating the world and doing all of these things. God is all-powerful. But God, in his graciousness, gave us his word. And he's preserved that over the years so that you and I can even study it today and come to know him, to know who he is, to understand who God is, to be able to hold on to promises, to learn how to have a relationship with him. Because God is so incredibly gracious. And so as we think about God's love for us, then as we began this new year of 2024, we also should be challenged to think about the fact that that love needs to be our motivation as well. It's our love for him in return. It's interesting that uh, as we go through this, that God's just shortly back in Deuteronomy, shortly after giving the Ten Commandments where it talks about, you know, honor your father and mother and all of the different things that the people were challenged to do. And he seems to summarize, however, to say that you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your strength and soul. And some verses add mind. You know, that becomes our motivation. Our motivation to follow him and to obey him and to spend time with him in Scripture should come and needs to come from a basis of love because that changes our obedience. You know, there are things that I do for my wife because I love her that I probably wouldn't do otherwise. Or if I did, I might do them grudgingly. Now, in full acknowledgement, I also acknowledge that there are things I grudgingly do for my wife. But I'm working on it. But it changes the perspective. You know, there are things that I do and did with my children because they were my children and I love them that I probably would not have been very motivated to do for somebody else. And so it's good for us to remember it says that we began by our love for God. And so as we begin and think about this, discipleship, our walk with the Lord, is anchored first in our love for God and also trust in his word. And so as we begin this year, maybe it, that's the focus that you need to spend some time talking with God about. How do you rekindle that love? How do you create that spark and deepen that again? Restore that. Maybe there's been a drifting that's taken you away from him. And this is an opportunity to do that. And one of the ways is simply to take time and remember and write down all of the things that you know that he's done for you. All of the things that he's revealed himself for you. You know, that's what we try to do with our Hallmark cards, don't we? is get somebody to say something in our, uh, and then claim those words for ourselves. But they're expressing to someone that we love them because we've thought about all of the things that they've done and even who they are. And so this is perhaps an opportunity to rekindle that love and to focus on that. So uh, with that, if 
love for God and dependence on his word becomes the anchor and the foundation in our relationship with him, certainly beginning with his love for us and for what Jesus did on the cross for forgiveness of our sins and everything that will come with that. But nevertheless, if God's love and word is at the cornerstone, and likewise our love for him is at the cornerstone, then what do you think Satan wants most to do? He wants us to be drawn away from God's love and to neglect his word. That's his ambition. Uh, you know, he's lost the battle. He's lost the war in terms of forgiveness, but he still works so hard to try to draw us away from having that kind of a relationship with God because he wants that relationship with him. And so what we find is that there are all kinds of things to entice us away from the commitments that we had. And Satan will bring those in. You know, going back to the New Year's resolutions, I had an opportunity to work uh, downtown for a number of years, and my office was right across the street from the YMCA. So I looked out over on the Y, uh, and I went to the Y regularly for lunch. Uh, but it was a long walk. It was all the way across the street, so I got my steps in too. But it was interesting that on January 2nd, if you looked out the window, what do you think you saw? Parking lot was packed. In fact, people were parking down the street, not counting the ones that were being dropped off at the door. But for the rest of the people, they were part, you couldn't find a spot. And you heard people say, I went in, I couldn't find a, any room on the exercise machine. And you wonder, what are you going to do? And, and you watched, and you know, by about January 20th, there were all kinds of spots open and all kinds of opportunity to use to exercise. Why? Because the commitments may have been made sincerely, but in reality, as the year began, all some other things began to pull them away from that. You know, maybe it was a busyness. Maybe it was just simply a lack of desire. Maybe it was other types of things going on in their lives. Whatever it is, but even as sincere as the commitment was, it wasn't being followed through. And so what Satan wants to do with culture of the world is to do the same thing and draw us away from those commitments that we have made. And one of the ways he does that is twisting God's word. If you go all the way back to Genesis in the very beginning with Eve in the garden, you know, God had given the one command because it was good for them. And he said, you can eat of anything in the garden except for this one tree. Do not eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. Not knowing good and evil was a good thing. Can you imagine not have to know what evil is? How wonderful that would be. But what does the serpent do when he comes? He gets a hold of Eve and says, first off, did God really say that you couldn't eat of any tree in the garden? Well, that's not what God said, but he took and twisted the word. 
and created this doubt. And, and he will do that through culture in a variety of ways today that he'll even take God's word and try to twist it and find ways to manipulate it. So what seems right is contrary now to God's word. And he also challenged Eve to say, you know, really what it is is that God knows that if you eat of this tree, you will be like God, and you will know right from wrong. So in other words, God's holding out on you. God, and so what I'm telling you is that you can be happier, blessed, more significant, whatever might be the case, if you violate this, because then you can have this. And after all, you know, God really didn't have your best interest. And so, of course, the fall happens. But he continues to do that. And if you look and listen at culture, so much of that is surrounded by either questioning stuff that used to stand for time about God's truth and God's word, but also challenging us to question God's goodness. And thirdly, to put the emphasis that somehow I need to be the one that determines how to have a full life or to have a good life. And that all begins to draw us away. This has really been a primary challenge for the people of Israel throughout history. If you go all the way through the Bible, it's just this constant deal about idol worship and God worship, these other gods that they would go after. And you will find that the people then would start to go after them for various reasons. Many times, or most of the time, or almost all the time, it wasn't that they were rejecting God exclusively or completely, but rather they wanted to bring these other gods alongside. And the motivations in some cases were they just wanted to be like the people around them, like the neighbors, and they found that appealing and probably that helped them to fit in. And, and if you're like me, I struggle with people-pleasing, and you, you, know, you don't want to rock the boat, and you kind of want to fit in with the crowd a little bit. Well, the way you do that, according to them, is you worship this, or you follow this, or you serve this. Or, you know, in other cases, as they came alongside, they were placed facing situations that they were, were fearful. And fearful maybe because of another country coming militarily at them. And over here, they knew of this God, this physical God that these other nations had worshipped and followed, and they'd had success. So maybe, just in case God doesn't give us victory or can't give us victory, we'll go over and worship this one. Or there were gods of fertility, whether that be for human fertility or for crop fertility. And they're over there. And God had given all these promises that he was revealed to them who he is. But then when they were sitting there and they were the one that was unable to bear a child, and they tried for years and years. And they looked over and they saw these people worshiping this God and doing this. And lo and behold, they got pregnant. That it would be tempting then to say, well, then I'm going to do that too while I wait to find out if God does his part. There are so many things that will be there to draw us away from God. And in our case today, it typically isn't going to be some type of stone statue or idol that we put up in our houses. Uh, we don't kneel down in front of the fireplace in front of some idol that might be there. But rather, it's more cultural things. And an idol really is anything that replaces God 
and the importance and the place that he needs to have in our life, which is to be the first and the foremost, and it replaces and diminishes our love for him. And so <clears throat> what do we find today? We find the culture bombarding us, don't we? with all of these other ways to have a better life or fulfilled life, a satisfying life. And in most of those cases, embedded in there is the lie that we have the right or even the ability to determine what is best. So as you think about it, if you take a look at all of the things around sexuality today and you compare them against God's words, there's so much of that is contrary to his word but people are following because it seems right or it feels good or everybody is doing that or whatever might be the case. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, we hear about there's become such a political divisiveness that that's even superseded relationships with fellow Christians that God equally loves. And that ought to be the primary part, but now there's all these divisions that come into play. You know, maybe it's a desire or a need to seek after wealth that somehow that that would give us both comfort for today, but also confidence in the future that we can take care of ourselves. It might be sports. It could be all kinds of things. Many of these or most of these things in their place and used the way that God has given them to us are good things. But misused, they become things that we draw away from God and often become enslaved to. The appeal of other gods and other idols in our life is anchored in a love for the world and a neglect of God's word. It begins with desiring, <coughs> excuse me, desiring things that are not of God's word. It's trending away from loving God alone as the one. So as you begin this year, are there things that you ask God to reveal in your life, and he does, that are drawing away your love or your commitment to him? You know, maybe, again, it could be any one of these things. They're often individual and different. But as you begin 2024, would you ask God to show them to you so that you can get rid of them or put them back in their proper place, that you can put some boundaries around those things and then rekindle and restore that love for God. Well, if you read through the rest of Joshua, it began with this commitment, if you will, that God was calling Joshua to make as he stood at the edge of the promised land. And if you read through the rest of the, the chapters, you find that Joshua was faithful to walk with God. Was he perfect? No. None of the individuals in the Bible are perfect except for Jesus. But he was faithful. And once again, he stood up and he was courageous and he took a stand and he led the people. And so, as you think about our commitment, as we began a new year, and we commit that we want to be a disciple that has the mark of Jesus, that we want to be able to follow Jesus closely, and as such, be able to be a witness in the world, whether that be in our homes, whether that be in our workplaces, whether that be with family, whether that be with the people that we play with, wherever it might be, at schools, if that's our commitment, then what is it that we can do 
to walk more closely with Jesus in this coming year. At the end of the book of Joshua, we find that he now is the old man. It began with Moses having been the old man that just died. As we come to chapters 23 and 24 in particular, we find that now Joshua is this old man and he's about ready to die. And so as he stands before the people, he wants to give them a charge and a charter, if you will, that they stand now at another divide. And that's going to be their life after Joshua. And he's standing there and he goes, this is what you need to do. I'm going to call you to make a choice today, folks. He goes, as he goes on, verse 14 of chapter 24, Now fear the Lord, serve him with all all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. That's the charge that he's giving to them. Serve the Lord. But it's your choice. If rather, if serving the Lord seems undesirable, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land in whom where you are living, you can't serve both, is what he's challenging them. And so it is with us today that we can't serve both. We can choose to serve God or we can serve the world. But it's time to make a choice. And so we stand ready to cross the threshold into 2024. The challenge that we leave today is, how about you? Today's the day to make a choice. Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to serve the idols and the culture of the world? It doesn't depend on the decisions and the choices that your friends are going to make. It doesn't depend on the choices that your coworkers are going to make. It doesn't depend on the choices that friends that you play with might make. For that matter, it doesn't even depend on family. It depends on you. So how about you? When you and I are called to choose today whom it is that we're going to serve in the coming year, whom are you going to choose? Join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the example of Joshua and a reminder about how faithful and awesome you are, God. And we do pray that as we begin to enter into a new year that we might be willing to stand and be courageous and to trust you and to trust your word and to spend time studying that. And it begins with a choice that we make today, no matter what it is that comes to us, that we will serve you and we will follow you, trusting in your presence. And for this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.